Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another very special Liverpool Echo podcast. We've got the gang back together. Anyone who might have remembered our women's football podcast special from the summer will be pleased to know that we're all here again. We've got the exact same crew, and tonight we're joined by Emma Sanders, Sarah Halpin, and Catherine Batty, and myself, host Sam Carroll. I'm joined by the creme de la creme of women's football. If you uh, if you follow it, you will definitely know those names are the big names and they've joined me again because we've had some week here on Merseyside, I think, uh, starting with the departure, the, the surprise departure, I think would be fair to say, of Vicky Jepson from Liverpool Women and rounded off this week, uh, tonight the news breaking and, and a little bit last night that Damaris Agarola is leaving Everton months after signing the summer for one of the biggest fees that the Women's Super League has seen to, to, to obviously... Leon have triggered her release clause and, and she'll be leaving. And we've also got some big games for Everton and Liverpool this weekend. All of that will be discussed over the next half an hour or so, but probably only one place to start. And we'll start with you, Emma. V- Vicky leaving a post after Liverpool, a, a sad day. A sad day for you and a sad day for Liverpool. Yeah, certainly. Obviously, she was at the club for, for 12 to 13 years. So she's been a long servant of the club and she's done, she's done a, a lot while she's been there. She's brought through... Uh, the youth players, she's done a lot with the youth development. She's worked with the foundation. She's obviously then taken that step into the, the senior team. She was interim manager alongside Chris Kirkland. She was assistant manager with um, with Matt Beard and, and, and Neil Redfern. So she's she's played her part, certainly. And then, obviously, she stepped into the role. Well, I say stepped. She's probably more thrust into the role in, in 2018 after the, the departure of, of Neil Redfern after just one game. Um, and then Chris Kirkland obviously left after a few months when they were working side by side. So um, she's, yeah, been been in the post since 2018. And it's it's just been a long hill battle for her, really, uh, the whole time. Um, she's had to, to deal with coronavirus. She's had to deal with issues with the Prenton Park pitch. Um, she's obviously had to deal with the, the fallout of, of Redfern's um, very sudden departure, which meant that I think probably her first year was was a little bit of a, a a process in terms of shipping out some players in the squad that perhaps didn't want to be there, and um, it's only really I'd, I would say the last twelve months or so that she's kind of had her own players and her own squad to work with, and like I said, that has been affected by coronavirus. So it's certainly not been a smooth ride for her, but um, I don't think anyone can deny that she's given her all for the club. Um, she absolutely loves the club; always will do. Um, so certainly a sad day. And hopefully now it's you know it's a chance for the for the women's team to to regroup, start again, start building the foundations again, and and hopefully get back to the heights that they deserve to be at. As someone who's kind of followed Vicky's time closely, Emma, is is there also though a sense of do you think it might have been, it, it is it the right move for both parties at this time? Do, do you think that both maybe needed a fresh start? 
Look, it's it's always difficult when when results haven't been going uh, too well. Obviously, you know they they were relegated from the WSL last season. The results and the performances weren't good enough. Um, Vicky, I'm sure, will hold her hands up to that, and the players will as well. Um, so she was certainly under pressure going into this season. Um, I think a lot of people perhaps expected Liverpool to to walk the championship. I certainly didn't expect them to walk it, but I expected them to. Um, to be challenging a little bit more and you know I kind of expected them to be at, at the top by now and have at least a a, a one win gap um, and unfortunately um, they haven't really put in the performances this season so perhaps it, it was the right time uh, perhaps it was the right time for the club to to bring in some um, you know some some fresh ideas and a fresh fresh pace but personally I think I think um, Vicky needed a little bit more time, really. Um, I think I think the way they started the season, you could see signs of them developing. You could see signs of the squad coming together. Um, so for me, I think she needed until at least the end of the season to um, to really start to to put things right. But um, look, the, the thing which which is of my concern at the moment is that it doesn't it doesn't look it doesn't sound like there's kind of anyone coming in imminently. Um, which is why I was surprised by it because I thought, well, you know, if they're getting rid of her in the middle of a January transfer window ahead of Liverpool's biggest game of the season, arguably, then surely they must have someone lined up. It doesn't sound that way. Obviously, I could be completely wrong. They might make an announcement tomorrow morning. You never know. But um, whispers are that, you know, they're they're very much just starting the process for the application. So um, I do find that very surprising. But look, we, we can only wait and see what happens. Catherine, Vicky only signed a, a new contract at Liverpool in, in the summer. Was you obviously they had that defeat to Durham just just before the the winter break? But were you still surprised by by the timing of the of the announcement? Yeah, I, I'd agree with what Emma was saying. Actually, um, I was surprised that um, they did it now and not before Christmas. I think um, if if you if they had that in their mind anyway, at least give yourself a bit of time, have a few weeks off. To think think is there anyone out there that's available that we can bring in now um that's what West Ham did they obviously went away brought a new manager in he's had time to with his squad before the fixtures start whereas for Liverpool waiting until after Christmas and and doing it just before a game and obviously a, a very big game as well just seemed quite strange um and I just wonder whether they um the club still think still think that they can get promotion this season um or whether it's just a case of we'll see how far we can get if we go up brilliant if we don't We'll, we'll bring someone in at the end of the season and give them, you know, a full a full summer to to bring more players in, and then you know hopefully we'll we'll go straight up um, comfortably the season after, or whether they like I say if, I think if they had if they thought they could still get promotion this season like Emma was saying I, I think they, they would have someone in mind to bring them in and get that change immediately because um, obviously it's a system that's that's uh, taken the game at the weekend. Very little usually changes when it's someone that's already been at the club um, that takes the next game. Like um, I, I would be surprised if sort of formations and, and team selections change drastically. Um, obviously, it could do, but uh, it's not usually the case. So yeah, I was I was surprised at the timing as well. So do you think then what what would be your if you put yourself in the shoes of you know Susan Black and and Mike Gordon and a couple of other people who, who who we know will be leading the search for the new manager could could you see a situation where Amber Whiteley stays in charge now until the end of the until the end of the championship season and and they reassess in the summer or do you think Liverpool 
need to act decisively and and get a new a new person in to, to lead the lead the club this season. I think it'd be better if they if they could get the new manager in as soon as possible. I think that would just be beneficial for everyone. But like I say, I think it depends on whether the club actually still think they can get promotion this season. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure how many points points they are off uh, the top at the minute. Um, but obviously. Um, it, it's kind of must win this weekend and they can't really afford to drop many more points because they have had um, a couple of bad results already and the league's so tight and you, you've got you know Leicester, Durham and Sheffield United still not, not quite out of it yet as well um, so it, it very much depends if they've got someone in mind and uh, if they have got someone in mind they, um, you know whether they need to act now to get them before perhaps somebody else does or whether they think they've got time to, to wait until the summer Emma, you, you wrote this week about people who could potentially re- replace Vicky Jepsen at Liverpool. Matt Beard was one of them. Obviously, now he's he's took, taken over to, at Bristol City. D- do you do you think you know Carla Ward? Obviously, the the he replaced Tanya Oxtoby, but could Carla be a genuine contender for for the role? Do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think she's um, she's obviously had experience in the Championship um, with Sheffield United. Uh, for two seasons previously. She obviously joined Birmingham in the summer from them. Uh, she led them to their highest highest ever championship finish last season when they finished runners-up. I think um, if she had stayed there this season, I think Sheffield United would have been, would have been you know, um, giving Liverpool a real run for their money and probably favourites to go up to WSL this season under her. So she's come into Birmingham and done a fantastic job. She's had to really struggle and fight to, to bring players in. She's had really small player budgets, um, facilities, finances have been a real struggle for her ever since she walked into the door. Um, I wrote an article on the BBC Sport website when she um, was about a month into the job. When um, you know she arrived, there was only eight senior players, so she had to she had to do a hell of a lot of work in the first couple of weeks just to get a squad out. And each week, it's been a struggle to try and get fit players. So I think the work that she's done so far, I think off the top of my head, I think it's three wins from their opening eight WSL games. Um, they also won um, a cup quarter final, so um, she's. I think she's done a fantastic job so far, and I think the opportunity to go to a big club like Liverpool, uh, where she will get more backing. Um, I know there's lots of talk about Liverpool and whether or not they invest in their women's team. From a financial point of view, um, they do have a much higher player budget than than anyone in the Championship and quite a few teams in the WSL. So from that from that side of it alone. Uh, she would be she would be given a lot more support there. So um, I think I think it would be very very hard for her to ignore that, um, given the fact that as I say she has she has enjoyed her time in the championship. And if they win this weekend, I think that's really important because they are currently eight points off Leicester, but they do have a game in hand. So a win against Leicester on the weekend and then a win with that game in hand would see them jump up to within two points of Leicester and they're right back into the title race. So I think if they were to win the game on the weekend. Carla Ward might look at that as an as an opportunity to to step down into the championship, bring Liverpool up into the WSL, which I think she would back herself to do in in the in the last six months of the season. Um, and then obviously she's then got this long term project which she can start afresh from in the WSL with a much higher budget. So I think there would certainly be something for her to think about. Um, and I think uh, I think she will probably be there with her name in the hat as she was with the West Ham job. Uh, Sarah, I, I know you're you're warming up here. I, I promise I'll come come to you next. You're just waiting, you're just waiting in the wings here. But I just want to quickly ask Catherine as well. 
to, to, to stay on the, the topic of the next manager, it's a, it's a strange one for Liverpool, isn't it? That obviously the, the calibre of candidate they're looking at obviously has to consider the fact that they could drop into the championship for, you know, till the end of the season for, for 18 months. But, you know, as, as Emma's pointed out there, you're going to get a decent sized uh, budget and especially con- considering the championship. And then it's also, you know, the, the badge and the history and, and the fact that you can probably, you know, glean from Jürgen Klopp and, and, and speak to all the kind of staff that Liverpool have on, on the men's side of things as well. So how high do you think Liverpool can aim to, to, to recruit a new manager? Well, yeah, as, as Emma was saying, I think they should be, you know, aiming as high as, as a profile manager as they can get. Um, you know, yeah, so I could say, I think... Um, the, the pull of the club uh, will always attract players as well um, without wanting to disrespect the other teams in the championship if you've got a player that's got an offer from perhaps uh, a Durham and Liverpool you know nine times out of ten they're going to choose Liverpool because um, the size of the club and and like you say with, with the history and everything like that so if if the club um, do show the commitment to, to um, financially backing the team going forward in terms of bringing players in and, and making it attractive to to a manager, especially if you're going for a manager that's in a job, you've got to you've got to make it attractive for them. Carlo was not going to go there if if they say yeah okay you know if you get some good results then we'll, we'll then we'll give you back you know, she'll, she'll want assurances um, over what she has to work with. Um, the only other person that that sprung to mind for me was was Jane Ludlow just because she's currently out of work and is another manager that's very experienced and. Um, Again, I think could possibly be persuaded to take the job if she was given the right backing. Um, I, I don't know if she's definitely looking to get back into work straight away. I know um, she has a lot of commentary on the BBC, and I'd miss her lovely Welsh accent if she uh, <laughs> if she did um, did decide to take another job. But someone, uh, Carla Ward and um, Jane Ludlow, so I feel like they'd be quite similar in their approach, maybe to to how Vicky was in terms of personality. Um, obviously, Vicky was clearly very popular with the players, with the amount of you know um, posts on social media of um, players thanking her for, for the work that she'd done. Um, I always think, as, as much as I love Matt Beard, he is a completely kind of different personality to, to someone like Vicky or or Carla Ward, and I, and I would have had question marks over whether he could have. Uh, this was perhaps unfair, but whether he could have gone in and got everyone side straight away. Um, but yes, I think Carl Ward would be a great appointment, and and, and as would Jane Ludlow if they both wanted the job. Well, we could we'll we'll uh, we'll tag Sarah in. Sarah, how's <laughs> things since, since last time we we all spoke? You've you've been uh, on on quite the journey with Everton. You've you've made it to to Wembley as well. What what was that experience like to to go to the FA Cup final? Oh, well, yeah, it, it was just a day I'll never forget. Um, to be honest, I'm I'm still a little bit hurt by it. I think you know, to to have got so far and to to come so close. You know, the way in which we lost the game at the end to two very very late goals in extra time. I think the game deserved at least to go to pens. And the 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 way in which Sandy McKeever was playing that day, I honestly would have fancied Everton if it got to pens. And there were chances in that second half where perhaps Val could have won the game for us as well. And you know, it's all these margins. It felt like it was going to go our way. As I said, the amount of like goal line clearances, worldy saves that Sandy was making. We defended so fiercely and bravely. And um, 
yeah, I really felt like it, it was maybe going to be our day, but it wasn't to be. But just to to get to Wembley uh, with that team, you know, absolutely fantastic. And what a cup run. I sort of got to see us beat Chelsea at Goodison Park and, you know, beat a good Birmingham side in the semi-final as well. And yeah, it, it it's been it's been a, a really um crazy few months with the team and uh, you know, some disappointing results, I think it's fair to say lately. Uh, but we've had plenty of injuries and stuff to contend with as well and um COVID, etc. But no, it's been it's been a fantastic few months. And of course the big news of Willie Kirk uh, signing the, the massive contract extension, Claire Emsley putting pen to paper as well on an 18 month deal. Um so there's there's so much to be happy about and excited about with Everton women at the moment. Um, and I think one of one of my favourite things of, of the day, and I don't know how, how you all felt, we, we were all lucky enough to to be there inside Wembley, which was such a surreal experience, wasn't it, to to be inside that massive stadium without any fans. But, you know, it was a day of Premier League football. And I think, you know, obviously the manner of the game, the way it went to extra time, and as, as you're saying, Sarah, both teams having chances, it, 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 it got frantic, it was end-to-end. But, you know, I had loads of mates, te- people who wouldn't usually maybe watch women's football. A lot of people were texting me about the game, they were watching the game. You know, it obviously got a great broadcast on the BBC as well. But it, it was a proper showcase for women's football, that wasn't it? It was. It was. A, it was a proper cup final, wasn't it? And and I think um, that's what you like to see as well, because we've seen in the women's game uh, too often. Well, in the men's game as well. Let's not forget the the City Cup final a few seasons ago, where they won six nil or whatever it was. But you don't like to see cup finals where it's just an absolute rout, you know. And I, I think um, it was end to end. It could have gone either way. It had all the drama, and you know. For a neutral, I don't think you could have really asked for more. Obviously, as an Evertonian, it, it was ultimately heartbreak on the day. But, you know, as you said, so many people would have tuned in to watch that cup final and excellent coverage um, as ever on the BBC for women's football as well. And, yeah, there was there was loads of people, I was the same as you, getting messages from all kinds of people, from all walks of life that I know that, that were tuning in to watch it. And I think Evertonians that watched it as well, you know, uh, we obviously know plenty of Evertonians, Sam, and there, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of them now are following the women's team. Uh, yeah. Not all of them are, but I think so many that tuned in to watch that cup final thought, "Tell you what, that is an Everton performance." That they they left absolutely nothing on the pitch, gave it blood, sweat, and tears, and um, yeah, I think every Evertonian that watched that thought, yeah, these girls absolutely deserve our backing. And uh, obviously fans can't get to Walton or Park and, and to games at the moment, but I think they'll have a whole new host of of Blues that are ready to go and watch them when it's safe to do so, definitely. Well, to, to stay with you, one of, one of the big talking points that was one of the reasons for, for joining together again in this podcast is the news that, that has broken this week about Damaris Egarola. She joined Everton in the summer. And Leon, obviously the the European champions and 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 the biggest club in women's football, have activated their hundred thousand pounds release clause, which is a a massive amount of money in in the Super League at, at this moment in time. Obviously, over the next few years, we, we all expect that to to continue rising. But Sarah, you're close to the players, you're close to the team. Um, disappointing news and and surprising news, would would you say? Yeah, I mean. Definitely. I only the, the first sort of stuff I heard about it was the rounds on Twitter yesterday and it, it looked like it was obviously um gonna be gonna be happening. And um yeah, disappointed definitely because I think um Damari will be 
absolutely one of the best number sixes in the game. Uh, she's so young and she's got so much class on the ball. And, you know, she didn't play that much um, that much WSL football for Everton in the end. And, um, you know, she, she played her part definitely in, in the cup final as well. And in the game at Goodison Park against Chelsea, where we, where we won, she played a, a vital role in that. So, yeah, I think she she could have been a, a real top player for us and was certainly one of Willie Kirk's, you know, big, big people in, in his plans for the team and how we were going to progress. But uh, I believe they triggered the £100,000 uh, release clause, uh, which Leon can do that because in the women's game, she said, you know, they are the most successful women's team in Europe. They've got the money to spend and... Um, I think, you know, once they identify someone and they want them, it's very, very hard um, for that player and, and the club to say no. You know, it's a, it's a, there's not that many fees in women's football. And when money like that comes around, and you, ultimately, uh, Everton haven't had a choice. Willie said yeah. that Damaris would have, would have liked to have stayed. You know, she was happy at Everton. She was enjoying her time and she was enjoying her football. But when a, when a team like Leon come and you, you know you're going to be winning the Champions League pretty much every year, winning the league, um, the facilities, the it's not, a, I don't believe it's, a, it's about money for the player, not at all. She's such a lovely, a lovely girl um, and a really talented prospect. And yeah, massively disappointed to see her go, but she leaves with everyone at the club's, you know, best wishes. Um, just delighted I managed to get her on the player podcast before she left because it was a quick turnaround. <laughs> so yeah, she's, uh, I feel I feel let down though. She she promised we were going to make paella together and all that. So no, I'll never see those days. But no, in in all seriousness, you know, uh, wish her the very best of luck, and I'm sure she'll go on to be a real star in the women's game. Catherine, what what have you made of of Tamaris? And you obviously she hasn't played a lot of football. She's only been here for a few months, but in those appearances that, that you've watched this season, what have you made of her? Only 21 as well, remember? Yeah, I think I think she's shown versatility as well, because I'm pretty sure she's played sort of a holding midfield role. I don't know if she's filled in at centre-back as well. I remember yeah. kind of when Everton had problems at centre-back uh, through injuries, we were saying also she could play that role um, if required, which, you know, for, for someone so young to be able to adapt to different positions is obviously um, a great trait to have. And yeah, I think we, we saw in the cup final, um, you know, she wasn't phased at all by by the nature of the big game or, or being in a big ground. So I think she'll, she'll definitely go on and, and be successful at Lyon. Um, and you can say, because she's so young, she's got so many years to, to imp- they'll improve her as well. Um, you know, when you hear about Lucy Bronze and Alex Green, we're talking about their experiences in Lyon. Um, and just how much they improved as players and they were already you know fantastic players before they went there and they've come back even better so um, yeah she's going to be she's going to be one to watch for sure The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo You ready? Showtime On May 3rd summer starts with the fall guy Let's do it later Let's drink a spicy margarita Make some bad decisions Yes Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Is one of the the exciting things for you then, Sarah, over the next couple of weeks is obviously to see. You know, Willie already said in his press conference today that, you know, the money will be reinvested from, from that move and, and he'll be free to bring in some some new players. I think Everton, as as we see it at the moment, they're going to bring in at least two players, but it could be more than that. So it must be an exciting time for you to to see what, what big names come in next because under the, 
kind of leadership of Willie and, and Savarez, my love, they, they haven't been scared to, to bring in the big names, have they? Oh, definitely not. You know, when, when you look at the players that have come in over the last sort of 18 months or so and you've got, you know, Izzy Christensen, your Hayley Rasso, uh, just just to name a few, Sandy McKeever, you know, uh, the Valerie Gavan, <laughs> Nico Sorensen, Mo Vold. Uh, we, we, we've signed Claire Emsley as well, you know, yeah. Poppy Pattinson. We, we're signing top, top class players now. Um, and I feel like, as you said, we... We know we've got money now from this from this transfer for Damaris. And I think, yeah, it's going to be reinvested. And Everton fans should be watching this space and be very excited because, you know, we saw even when, obviously, Chloe joined Manchester City in the summer. And we're all very disappointed to lose her because we all know she's one of the best in the game. But what we saw then was top-class players that came in to replace her. And, you know, Everton have arguably... Um, I think we've, we have dropped off in recent performances, key injuries like Rika Savecki, uh, Raleigh Gavan, Claire Emsley, all the rest of it. But I think uh, when you look at Everton as a team as a whole, we we have improved massively um, despite, you know, selling um, some of our, our best players. So, yeah, watch this space. I think uh, disappointed definitely to to lose Damaris, but I think uh, Willie Kirk is the is the man to, to replace her uh, with an exciting name. And I look forward to seeing who comes in in the, in the next few weeks. And where do we think, I'll kind of open this one out to the, to the room, but I think Peniel Harder is the, is the, is the record fee, is the Wales record at the moment for, for a reported quarter of a million. Um, where, where can we see transfer fees going in, in, in the women's game over the next few years? Obviously there's, you know, going to be more television coverage over the next couple of seasons. So, do we think that in the next few years we could see the first ever £1 million women's players? Is that something that could happen? Oh, yeah. So. Hopes. Yeah, sorry. Carry on. Yeah, I was going to say hopes, so, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think it's definitely the direction that the women's game is going. As you've mentioned, you know, you've got more broadcast deals, got more sponsorship deals. We're, we're seeing American players now coming to, to clubs in, in Europe and obviously the WSL in particular, but... That was something that a lot of American players didn't really look at before. The Champions League as a competition is now um, even bigger because there's more clubs being able to compete in it. Yes, Leon is still dominating, but you've got the likes of Chelsea City um, in England. And then you've got obviously the Wolfsburgs, the Bayern Munichs, uh, the Barcelonas um, elsewhere in, in Europe that are obviously competing now. So I think Americans and the NWSL are now looking at Europe and, and seeing, you know, women's football as a whole become more professional and more elite and naturally that attracts more more attention and the, the more big players that that we have coming over and, and spreading themselves across different teams and across di- different clubs um, I think the more coverage and the more financial interest you're going to get into these teams and naturally as as the game grows and as the uh, the, the professionalism of the game grows uh, money will grow with it so I don't think we're too far off that. I, I, I think we've still got a little way to go, but I, I don't think we're too far off that. So it's certainly exciting times for me. Catherine, as, as someone who, who, who plays plays football, how much would you value yourself at? What 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 are you valuing your goal? <laughs> what are you valuing your goalkeeping skills at? Well, he's, he's been someone that played um, one game before the first lockdown, and then two after the the we kind of came out of lockdown in the summer. Um, so I've not played an awful lot recently. So um, maybe my dad would probably pay about five pound if I had a good game. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I kept a clean sheet. 
But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, as Emma was saying, um, as well as the broadcasters, um, the more broadcasters coming in, I actually think um, clubs will start to perhaps make a little bit of money from actually when crowds are allowed to come back in as well, because the amount of money clubs are made in the past from attendances was never really that much. Um, but I think as soon as, as soon as people are allowed back into stadiums, I think we will see a massive increase in people attending games just because um, fans have been starved of live football for so long. Um, and I think people that maybe perhaps didn't used to go and watch women's games, um, well, if they can't get into it to see the men's games, perhaps, and obviously a lot of women's games take place on a Sunday. I think we'll just see, I'll see more and more fans going, and hopefully we'll get more kind of sellout ground and um, crowds at, at the grounds, and clubs can actually make a little bit of money from that as well. Let's come on to the to the final part of the of the podcast. Then there's big games for both Everton and Liverpool this weekend. Emma, I'll come back to you. Liverpool third in the table, 21 points from their 11 games, eight points behind Leicester, but they have a game in hand and. Happily, they take on the the foxes. They welcome the foxes to Prenton Park this weekend. If you know all being well, which you know it seems like it is, it's it's, it's such a big game, isn't it? Can can you even begin to kind of describe <laughs> what a, def, a, a defeat in this would 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 not would be really really damaging for Liverpool at this stage of the season, wouldn't it? Yeah, massively damaging. And and you know what? As I was saying earlier, I actually think depend. I think the result this weekend could have an impact on the new manager as well, because, um, yeah. you know, when I'm talking about Carla Ward as, as a WSL manager that might be looking to drop down and, you know, I, I'd imagine that there could be a couple of WSL managers that will be showing interest. Um, if, if Liverpool are suddenly and they have to sort of contemplate spending 18 months in the championship, that's, that's a whole new um, playing field. So uh, I think that will have a massive impact on on the new manager as well. But certainly in terms of you know purely the result for Liverpool and, and their and their immediate goals, which is obviously to get promotion straight back into w, WSL this season, um, I think they have to win this game on the weekend. I I, I think it's a uh, I I don't think you you can sugarcoat it because if they lose, then then they're eleven points behind. Um, obviously with with that game in hand, but. As I said before, if, if they win that and they win the game in hand, then they're suddenly up to within two points, and that's and it's it's just such a it's such a big game. Um, and as not only from a points position, but obviously from a momentum and from a mentality point position, uh, position as well. I think the players players really need a boost because it's it's not been a smooth ride over the last month or so. Um, they've they have had some disappointing results. Um, obviously, they had the two 0 defeat to Durham. Just before Christmas, which was which was really really damaging for their for their title challenges. So um, I think I think they need it. I think they have to win. Um, I think it's a must win. And Sarah, to to the Blues, it's 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 mad to say it because we've had some well, Everton have had some good results in the uh, let, let me colours slip there, didn't I? Same week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, had some good results in in the Conti Cup against Manchester United and Liverpool, which were you know big games, even though we didn't end up progressing. But Everton haven't won in the in the Super League since October, which is almost mad to say, really, isn't it? So a, mm-hmm. a big response. I know if it there's the classic Everton that saying, isn't there? You know, Bristol <laughs> who haven't won all season and have lost eight of the ten games, bottom of the league. But in, in the almost the same way for Liverpool, it's a, it's a big game for Everton for for different reasons. They really need to keep the pressure on the the cities and the Arsenal's, really, don't they? And this, and this is a game that you know everyone expects them to win. Yeah, definitely. And as you said, that 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 stat is is crazy to think. You know, to 
we started by winning our opening four league games and playing some wonderful stuff. But as I um, mentioned before, you know, injuries to Valerie Gavan, Claire Emsley, Simone McGill, etc. And Enrica Savecki at the back had been really damaging, damaging as well. But I think it's the games like we drew with Reading at home. Uh, we drew with Brighton at home after throwing away the lead in those games. And, and those are the ones that I think are really damaging. You know, you look at those, if you win them instead of draw them, that's an extra four points, um, in which case we're then level with Manchester City. City. And then when we have played the games like City, Arsenal and Chelsea, the, the score lines have been bad. Um, they've been, you know, 4-0, 3-0. And although those scores absolutely haven't reflected the game, and that's not me just being biased, um, Everton, it's, it's been these margins. These teams finished their chances where perhaps we haven't. But Bristol, as much as you, you know, we do say Everton that, and you, you know, I, I hate a stat like that. They haven't won all season. They're gonna, you know, it, it, it just they make that makes me feel a bit nervous. But <laughs> I, as you know, with all due respect to Bristol, um, I think Everton should 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 have far too much for them, and I think it is a game that we should be winning comfortably. Um, and and yeah, we just need to get those points back on the board. Hopefully, put a bit more pressure on on the likes of Manchester City, etc. And we need to we need to win. And, and hopefully it's an opportunity to win by by a few goals as well and, and get that goal difference up, get the get the players feeling confident again. You get a win and a few goals and everybody feels better. Um and we've you know we've got we've still got games coming thick and fast, especially after having to have a few games called off for various reasons. So yeah, it's a big, big game for the blues. Um Bristol will give it everything because they desperately need the points. But yeah, I I think it should be a comfortable victory for Everton on Sunday. Fingers crossed. Catherine, as our resident Hull City neutral, I, 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 want, I want you to put, put your neck on the line. Obviously, Bristol had that good result in the Conti Cup in, in midweek. They, they got through to the semi-final. And, and Liverpool-Leicester is, is a top-of-the-table clash. Where's your, uh, where's your money going for those two games? Are, are, you, are you predicting a Merseyside double? <laughs> Well, I think Emma and Sarah should do the team talks for both both teams. I think, as, yeah, as we said, we would expect Everton to win. Um, I watched Bristol play Man United, and they did actually have um, a couple of chances. They, they should have taken the lead, really. Um, Ebony Simon had a couple of chances, and she is the dangerous player for them. Um, yeah. And obviously, Everton have been scoring as much recently, conceding due to, to the injuries that they've had. But I think get an early goal, Bristol heads probably go down and, and you would expect Everton to come away with the win. So I'll, I'll maybe go for a for a 2-0, safe, safe 2-0 for Everton on that one. Um, Liverpool's ridiculously hard to predict because um, you could get a reaction after, obviously, a manager leaving, um, but it also could work the other way. Leicester in very good form as well, and I think it will be a really, really difficult game for Liverpool. Um, I'm going to sit on the fence and say a 1-1 draw. Ugh. There's a bit of a I think Liverpool have got a chance um, just because, like you say, I think sometimes when your backs are against the wall and, and you think you, know, you lose a manager that was obviously clearly popular with the squad, heads can go down but sometimes it works the other way and, and actually it, it kind of gets the team up and, um, so if I was going to go for one of them to win I would I would go with, go with Liverpool go for a Merseyside double yes <laughs> well thank you thank you so much to, to everyone who's, who's listened to the podcast and hopefully when we return in a couple of months time we're, we're talking about Everton pushing for the Champions League places in the Super League and Liverpool topping the table 
in the Championship for an instant return. We will try and get back together over the next few weeks when the January transfer window closes and the future of the next Liverpool manager becomes clearer. But thank you so much to Catherine, to Sarah, to Emma for enlightening us. It's, it's always good to, to spend time in, in your company. Hope you've enjoyed Loved the it. podcast and we'll be back very soon for more from the Super League and the Women's Championship and all of Merseyside women's football. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.